This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, tonight, good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing? Okay, awesome. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, and I declare, Lord God, that I submit myself to you, Holy Spirit. Teach through me this very difficult subject to your people tonight. Let them be encouraged. Father, let them be inspired. But Father, let them have a correct view of your word and what your word says on this subject. Let it go forth, change each and every heart of each and every believer. And in advance, I will give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees, say... Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you to Apostle Theo and Dr. Bear for once again allowing uh, me to preach. And uh, tonight's message is called, My Body Belongs to God. Say that with me. My body belongs to God. The guys online, I can't hear you. I just want to say, all right? So let's, uh, let's participate there on the other side. This is for you as well. So um, I'm so encouraged by the subject and so uh, excited to bring this message to you tonight because in a society where we live, where there is a gender identity challenges, it seems like everybody and especially the church wants to steer away from the subject, but because, and you'll see in the scriptures that I'll bring, there is a lot of confusion and darkness around the subject, so I feel very confident in tonight in bringing this message. It is, of course, the last one in our series on extraordinary relationships because ordinary relationships no longer works. That pause effect just so it can sink in. So we need extraordinary relationships. Amen, family? All right? So our foundational scripture for this series... Um, uh, extraordinary relationships uh, is what we're going to be looking at and we're going to kicking this off. And so, as I said, today we're concluding this uh, series and tonight we're talking really about sex. So those of you that weren't in the first two services, now, first of all, let me just say, I can feel the nervousness in the room. Somebody's like moving around. You don't know how to sit and whatever you're watching, who's watching you, but don't worry. You know, like they would say in the aircraft, Put your seat back up, all right? So stop reclining in it. Put your tray table away. Buckle in and be ready for a takeoff. You guys ready? Okay, so here we go. So let's start with our scripture tonight in Romans 12. This is such a powerful scripture. It's been our base scripture for all the, the five parts that we've done in the series. And so uh, I'm glad for us to conclude also on the scripture. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Don't become a reflection of worldly culture. That's what it's saying there. So that your Christian culture is obscured. You become so worldly in your culture that I cannot see that you're actually a Christian. You're a Christian, you work in a company for 10 years. Yeah, I've been a Christian for, for a, a, a long time, for 10 years. People say, what, really? I never knew you were a Christian. Your worldly culture has obscured your Christian culture. Do not allow that to happen, the Bible says. 
I mean, just to give you an example, so one of our pastors recently was involved in marriage counseling. If you're here tonight, then don't blush and then nobody will know, okay? But uh, they were involved in marriage counseling. And so one of the questions we ask, we shouldn't, but we have to, okay, nowadays is that I just want to check, have you guys had any sexual relationships before getting married? And so the, the, the lady answered and she said, yes, but hey, we're all adults, yeah? No, that is not the right answer. Now, though we will not condemn you, but if you realize that it is wrong, because why then come to a church? Just go down to the magistrate's courts and get married there then. If you want to come to the, to, to the church and get married, you want to do it right. And if you then repent, we can help you. Amen. But if you're not going to repent and you, you say, well, that's the way it is. You know, come on, we're just all adults here. You know, you've got to test drive a car, you know, and so forth. No, we don't do that. We're going to follow God's principles. See, that's where it goes wrong. We always want to have an escape. You see, if a test drive it and it doesn't, it's not performing as well, then I can say, no, I'm not going to get it. Or you want to trade it in after three months. I've seen marriages where people got married, and when we asked them, they said, I promise you, God told us to get married. Three months later, they divorced. It was not love. It was lust. All right, and we'll talk about that also a bit later. Are you guys still okay there? Seatbelts on, lacquer? Tight? Okay, we're going through a couple of dips just now. All right. It goes on to say, readily recognize what he wants from you, that's God, and quickly respond to it. You see, family, recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. You might not feel like it. But choices you make leads your body, your actions. Feelings will then follow. You can't go on your feelings. you got to make choices and then feelings will follow. If you're going to feel the situation, you're always going to be confused. So make a choice. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And then your feelings will follow. That's powerful. You can write that one down. Okay? Choices lead, feelings follow. It goes on to say this, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. That's exactly what it does. God brings the best out of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. Amen? So God wants to bring the best out of you, the best out, including your sexuality. We think that doing it God, God's way sometimes, that it's going to be boring. It's no fun. I can add a couple of things in here, but because this is a PG show, um, I won't. Amen? So we think, well, it's going to be boring. I mean, Christians, uh, just, I, I can't see how this can be fun. But hey, I want you to know that God is the one that invented sex. Yeah. Amen? He said, go forth and multiply. Amen? But today I want to talk to you about how God wants you to handle your sexuality. There's things that you can do. There's things that you should be doing. You see, we are in a sexual revolution in the world right now. But it's not new. It's not like this is the first time it's happening. Pastor John, yeah, I mean, it's never happened. It's happened even in biblical times. We see that there were examples of a sexual revolution going on. Amen. Culture changes, but God does not change. That's very important. You can write that one down as well. Your culture might change, 
But God does not change. And what he says in his word does not change. So we see that the Bible talks about in the last days that people will be doing these things and these things and these things. And it talks about sexual impurity. The word sexual in the scriptures, and just now when I get to that, is actually the word pornea in the Greek. And the word pornea is about pornography, but it's not just books with pornography in it. It's everything related to the impurity of sexual behavior. Does it make sense? Okay. The church must not be silent on this matter. But also we must not scream at people. But we got to give you what the word of God says. Is that okay with everybody this, this evening? You're all happy with that? Stable? We will have a prayer line, so don't worry afterwards, okay? There is a way where the church in a godly way can address this matter. We all struggle with sin. I struggle with, with sin issues in my life that I've got to deal with every day. And if you're here today and say, I never struggle with any sin, that's your first sin. You just lied. <laughs> it's amazing how, what you can learn in church. Amen? It's natural. But it's not necessarily acceptable. Amen? And we've got to follow God's pattern. You see, family, when I read the Bible, it will call me out. On certain things. I don't know about you. When you read the Bible, it will call you out. If you've been impatient, it will call you out in the area of impatience. It will call you out in the area of kindness. And in the same way, it will call you out in the area of sexuality. But here's the amazing thing about the Bible that it does not shame us, but it invites us to change. It's a place of grace so that God can change us. Now listen to me, listen to me. This is, here's the gospel in four simple statements. Write this one down, okay? God has a standard, number one. Number two, Jesus died for the violation of it. Number three, the Bible will remind me where to go and find out what, the, what God says about the situation. And number four, the Holy Spirit on the inside will give me the ability to live that out. That's the gospel in four simple statements. So are you ready to hear what the Bible has to say about this? Ready? Let's go. All right. Goes on to say, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God. I love that. They knew God. They knew God. They were not heathens. They knew God, knowing that they have a relationship with God, if I can put it that way. But they wouldn't worship him as God. Now, this word worship here is not about singing in church. It's your posture towards God. So when I worship God in this context, it's speaking about my posture towards God. This is saying they know who God is, but they refuse to acknowledge what it is that he requires of them. You with me? Are we, are we still okay, family? All right. Then it goes on to say, or even give him thanks. And they began to think up, uh, think up foolish ideas of what God was like. So they start creating their own gods, with a lower G, in their own mind of what they think God, G-O-D, capital, is like. Foolish ideas is to create a God according to your liking. That's what it says here. Then it goes on to say, as a result, their minds, their minds became dark and confused. You see, that's why I feel confident and comfortable speaking to you about the subject because many people's minds have become dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, 
They instead become utter fools. They do not have a correct view of matters. Amen? Goes on to say, and as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They traded the truth, the truth about God for a So I want to expose some lies today. Starting, first of all, let's look at what the truth is. And then we'll go to the, 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 the lies. And then I'm going to give you three easy steps that you can follow and how to restore your relationship in this area or in this subject. Now, it's important that we understand, first of all, is that Proverbs says, has got a lot to say about sexuality. In Proverbs, it talks about that you must enjoy the wife of your youth. Amen. And so just hold on to your seats now. Don't get uncomfortable. Uh, May her breast satisfy you always. That's what the Bible says. God said it. So it's not, that's disgusting. No, God said it. It's in the Bible. That you may be captivated. The Bible says, the Hebrew word is, hey, chicken, chow, chow. No, no, sorry. It's a, no. <laughs> but that word literally means to be intoxicated. There is a Hebrew word. I just don't know what it is. Okay. I just put it in there. I mean, it's intoxicated. Wow. Okay. That's how your the relationship has got to be with your wife. You're intoxicated with her. <laughs> so God created you and knows what is best for you and has no intention of destroying your life, family. He doesn't, he's not a killjoy. He's not gonna, I'm gonna, you know, all the fun that you're having. Well, maybe it's the wrong type of fun. But he doesn't want to destroy your life. He wants to sort it out for you, help you. And he says that sex is exclusively reserved between one man and one woman. In marriage, not before marriage, not during marriage with another one, okay, but with one man, one woman during marriage. That is God's standard for us. I would argue, or some, or let me rather put it this way, some of us might say, but Pastor Johnny, um, that uh, I don't agree with that, or I have a, predis- a different predisposition about the matter. I think of it in a different way. Well, I, I would argue that we all have a, a, a predisposition about certain topics in the Bible and how we interpret those. But it doesn't make it right or wrong. Rather, it is right, but you might not like it. You might have, a, like I say, a predisposition towards it, but it doesn't mean that your position is correct. God, you see, how do I know that? Because God calls us to a higher standard. God calls us to a higher standard. So here's what God wants for you. Three truths. Let me get to them. It is God's will, number one, that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual pornea immorality. This means... To be holy, to be set apart. I'm deciding to step out of this thinking and do it God's way. Number two, it means to avoid temptation at what I'm looking at, what I'm reading, what I'm listening at. If you're on your phone all the time and this is your posture 
and all you're looking at is the wrong stuff. Family, it's a challenge. You need to be sanctified. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Maybe just have the time and hello, goodbye on your phone. Okay, then you can go back to those old phones. Nokia 2210s. Because that's all you need. Hello, goodbye. Okay, that's all you need. Sometimes technology is our worst enemy. Amen. And yeah, let me just stop there. Okay, listen to this. That each of you, number two, should learn to control your own body. Number two, control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So control your body, your thought life. Don't trust your body. I would write that one down. Don't trust your body. You need something to control your body. When in doubt, uh, uh, um, uh, somebody once said is that when young people, um, you know, when they start dating, this church specifically, when the young couple start dating, what they do is they buy them these big Bibles. They're about this, this big, uh, this thick. And then they, they call the couples when they know they're starting to dance, They call them and say, hey, uh, Tammy and uh, Joe, won't you guys come here? Here's a big, nice, big Bible for you, you know. Like a, because you're going to start maybe, uh, eventually you're going to get married. So here, as you're dating, this is your dating Bible. What are we to do with this? Well, put it between you two. You know, so when you, you know, it will be a bit of a hindrance. Flee from things. You know, so um, when you feel like I'm, I'm going to go there, then, uh, hey, won't you give us a call and say, Pastor, help me. I'm going to go there. And all we're going to say is flee from it, physically run from it, come back. And you say, I think, I think I'm okay now. I think I'm okay now. It's, it's leaving me. All right. But maybe we just need that Bible between us every now and then. Okay. Goes on to say, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. For God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life, number three, to live a holy life. In other words, family, there is nothing in your power that you can overcome the things of the devil unless you submit to God. Then submit to God. Then the devil can flee from you. Amen? But if you're going to try and do this by yourself, you are going to be tormented in your mind all the time. You'll be watching those pictures all the time. You'll be doing things you shouldn't be doing, having three, four, five girlfriends, think it's okay, and that, 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 that's good enough. Let me, let me show, uh, share this with you. I'm going to share with you four lies about sex. Okay, you ready? Four lies. Number one, sex is an animalistic action. This is a lie. People would say, well, you know, it's just like we like animals, you know, it just happens, you know, uh, and, and it happens. No, it's not. It's not an animalistic thing. It's not mating season all the time. We are not like animals, family. I mean, when, you, when, when you're out in nature, you would see that a big old ram, he will just come out now and then, look at him, because he's not sure where's the hunters, where's the lions, the leopards. He's like... Just checking out. That's the devil, of course, obviously. All right, just checking in. Just biting and he's checking. And so these little does and these little young bucks, little, you know, ewes running around there. He's just, he's not interested yet because he knows there's a hunter out there somewhere. So he's just eating and nibbling and watching. But when that buck goes into rut, boy, it is a different thing. Where are those girls? Where are those little ewes? Where, the, where are they at? Okay? And so he just wants to run after them. And that's when it happens. A hunter. And you've got eight trophies on your wall. 
Be careful that you're not running around and your head is on the devil's wall. Amen? Number two, sex is not innocent fun. It is not innocent fun. God designed sex to do something deep to bond you with your wife. That's why in the evening of your, of your marriage, you consummate your, your marriage. There's something that happens. There's a bond. There's a soul tie, a positive soul tie between you, God, and your wife that happens that unites you spiritually as a married couple in that covenant with God. But when you do it with every other person, there is a bond. I mean, one woman is enough. Sorry, guys. Uh, sorry, ladies. But yeah, you can't have three or four or five. Amen? Okay, let's move on. You guys didn't like that. Let me find something else. Okay. Sex is an isolated event. People say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, my friend. There's no such thing like friends with benefits. That thing will come with you. You might think you left her there or him there, because nowadays it's not just men. How many of you realize that? You know, today it's men and women. Okay. You think you might have left him or her there, all right, but the next day at back home, somebody's knocking on your door. So it comes with you in a soul tie, in a soul tie. And I don't have time to preach on the effects or the negative effects of soul ties. Amen. Or the fourth myth is this. Sex is who I am. There is a generation that identifies by their sexuality. You are not your sexuality. Do not label yourself. I am not heterosexual, homosexual. I am Simone sexual. You guys were a bit concerned there when I said I'm not heterosexual. Eh? I saw a couple of you really got, I could feel the turbulence. Amen. And that's where you got to be, family. It's not like I am not identified by my sexuality. Young people, you are not identified by your sexuality. But it's what God says about that in the word of God. You've got to be committed to your one partner. So how far is too far, Pastor Johnny? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Your, your members, your body are members of Christ himself. Just imagine this. Let me say it this way. When you sin, the Spirit of God is there with you. I want you to imagine that whatever you're doing, the Holy Spirit is right next to you. Seeing what you're doing, experiencing what you're doing, and involved what you're doing. Now, not, but you understand what I'm saying. You're not, it's not like, okay, nobody saw it. I'm undercover. Don't worry. Everything is cool. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. You see, this culture is a perverted culture. Now, in the days when Paul was speaking in Corinthians, when we speak about specifically the city of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus had temples, the temple of Diana, which was the fertility god. And they would have shrine or temple prostitutes at this. Their job was from wherever uh, the, the, the temple of Diana. Now, if you've been to Ephesus, it would be approximately one kilometer away from the central arena area. So they would have sex from that temple all the way to the arena and then down to the port, about two kilometers. 
And this would be their worship. They would think that they're worshiping a God by doing this for fertility. This was in the days that Paul is addressing these people during these times. So he's saying here, don't you know? Now think of it in that context. Don't you know that your body are members of Christ? In other words, you're not part of Diana. You're part of Christ himself. Then I shall then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute. He's talking about a shrine prostitute or a temple prostitute. So Paul is addressing this with a generation of its time. Guys, this is not acceptable. This is not the right thing to do. Because in and amongst all the other religions in Ephesus, Paul is trying to communicate to them, there's a new way, there is a new religion, there is a new covenant. Goes on to say, don't you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in the body, in body. For it is says, for, for it is said, the two will become one flesh. When you husband and wife in marriage, one flesh. If it's with a shrine prostitute or anything else that is outside of marriage, it will become one flesh. And I put it to you, what will happen to the other person happens to you because there's a bond. And once again, I don't have enough time to teach on that. Soul ties between the two parties. It fuses them together in a deep level where it shouldn't be. It should only be reserved for marriage. In marriage, they shall become one. Amen? Now, there is a connection, a bad connection, I suppose, between those and that are not supposed to. Let me, let, me, let me show you from the scriptures. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. One with him in spirit. In God, we are one. And what happens to me, like I said, happens to them if I'm not in the marriage covenant. So in other words, if I am and I'm united in one, whatever happens to, uh, in, in, uh, godly in my life, so like goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life because that's God's plan for our life. Amen? Trouble and persecution will follow you all the because you're not supposed to do that. So flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So not only have you uh, sinned against another person, you have sinned against your own body and Christ or the Holy Spirit is in you. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Can you see how important it is, family? The deep, far-reaching effects of this. Now, somebody might be here tonight saying to me, Pastor Johnny, but you know, something, some things happened to me years ago. I had no control over this. Where perhaps you were raped, you were taken advantage of. Or perhaps you were in an abusive relationship. And for that, I'm sorry what happened to you. And that had happened to you. And I understand that you're saying, Pastor Johnny, I sort of can't identify because I had no control. I didn't want to do this, but I had no control over this. I understand where you are. 
But like it says in Jeremiah, is that sometimes all that people can think of is their past. That's what it says in the book of Jeremiah. When you're caught in that situation, all you can think about is your past. But it goes on then to say, but I will remember the mercies and the faithfulness of God. Even though this is what happened to you, He can cleanse you and make you virgin again. I love that. You will have to make three decisions. Three decisions you will have to face. Number one, I can be defensive today. You can be here and say, now, I don't believe this is what what the word of God says about this. I'm sure God's gonna understand. I mean, I've got needs. And uh, I'm not gonna accept this because then it means I have to give this up. And so I'm saying, fine, go and try it. What? But when it doesn't work out for you, don't run away, come back. And we're gonna be waiting for you here. And we're gonna have no judgment, no critique, but we'll just welcome you back and help you. So you can get to a point where you're not defensive about the situation. Are you with me, family? Look at what it says here. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. You don't have to be defensive about what has happened. We will always, as I said, welcome you back, and you can find freedom here in this church. Look what it says here. God's way isn't just right, it's better. I love that. Number two, second thing that you have to face or make a decision about, I I can be remorseful about my circumstances. Yes, I understand you have shame, you have sadness, you have remorse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, family, condemnation Condemnation says that was wrong and there's no way out. That's why you feel so condemned by the circumstance and there's just no way out. No matter what I do, it will never go right. People might, uh, uh, people might do that to you, say that to you, but that's just typically the devil. We first got to give the truth and then grace. So in other words, for grace to operate, there must be a conviction from the word of God conviction is that was wrong and here's the way out that's how the Holy Spirit will lead you amen number three third decision that you have to make I can be repentant you can repent and you can receive forgiveness and you can make right with God today no matter what your circumstances Look, look at what the Bible says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. There are many tonight perhaps here or listening or watching or the, on the listening to this or even watching tonight. And you are at a crossroads. I love this. You're at a crossroads where you have to make a decision. This message is perhaps forcing you to make a decision tonight. I'm appalled that so many people outside of marriage just don't have the right idea on this subject. I'm speaking to you tonight. You're at the crossroads. And look, ask for the ancient paths. The ancient ways or the old way of doing things is not wrong. 
They might have been extreme, but they're not wrong. Stand at the crossroads. Look at the ancient paths because they are well-traveled. They are trusted. They will take you to your destination. Look at the ancient paths and ask where the good way is. What is the way that I should go? And walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. I love that. Because so many people are tormented and walk around with condemnation. Look at this. God's way isn't restrictive. It's restful. When you give it to the Lord, you can rest in that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you at the crossroad today? There are some of you that's had a perverted idea of what sexuality is. And perhaps you even now in the past, maybe even planning tonight to do it the wrong way, not God's way. You've perverted sexuality in the eyes of the Lord. And all he's saying to you, you've got three decisions to make. It's very simple. Are you at that crossroads today? Trust the ancient path. Trust the ancient way of doing things. The good way. What the good book says. What the Bible says. I know you're struggling. But go old school on this tonight. Go old school on this tonight. Repent and turn the right way. And we can help you right here at church. We have a freedom department that will help you walk this road. Not only will you become free in that area, but you can stay free in that area. And you can even help other people on their journey. Hey, you also find yourself in that place? Good. Let's walk a journey together. Nobody's criticizing. Nobody's pointing fingers. We can help. If tonight you say, Pastor Johnny, I have perverted God's way of sexuality. Perhaps you're practicing it outside of marriage. Or maybe in marriage you're doing it the wrong way and you want to restore that relationship. If that is you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because I don't want to embarrass you necessarily. But I want you to search deep in your heart tonight. Tonight is the time for you to restore. If we repent and ask forgiveness, He is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cast it into the lake of forgetfulness and remember it no more. But our hearts has got to be repentant on this subject. If that is you tonight, and you say, that's me, Pastor Johnny, then I want you to say this prayer with me. Are you ready? But I'm going to ask everybody, everybody, because maybe you've just had a wrong thought along the way. So all of us, we can say this prayer together. All right? So say this with me. Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I have failed in this area. But your word says, in 1 John 1 verse 9 that if I repent I repent now Father please forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness from all sexual immorality all sexual impurity from pornea I bind that and I rebuke that in the name 
of Jesus. I take captive every thought and I make it subject to the Word of God. I make it obedient to the Word of God in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, now that you've forgiven me, come live in me again afresh. Help me, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, once again, let's just give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Amen, 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 amen. Do you guys receive that tonight? Are we all okay? Anybody need counseling? Pastors will be here. Come forward. Now, if you come forward tonight and it's not for that, we're not going to think, ah, okay. No, don't worry. We understand, all right? You guys with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed for the altar call. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor Johnny, I've heard that I can only do this through the, to the, through the Holy Spirit or through Jesus. And I've heard this message preached about what Jesus Christ can do for me, but I do not know Jesus. And if you want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. No one is moving around, only the workers. And you say, Pastor Johnny, I would like to dedicate my life to God. I would really love, I'm at, I'm at a crossroads in my life. And I'm asking that I choose the ancient path, the right way. For those of you watching the same, if you want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, at the count of three, won't you raise your hand to indicate to the Lord and to me as I'm watching that you mean business with the Lord. Are you ready? One, two, three. Wherever you are, raise your hand in the name of Jesus. Or you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Johnny, I do not have assurance of my salvation. I don't know what is going to happen with me. If I leave here tonight and I get, and I die, I don't know whether I would go to heaven or hell. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, that you must know that you have eternal life. So you must have an assurance of that decision. And if that is you, and you want to have that assurance, then you, at the count of three, won't you raise your hand? One, two, three. I'm watching. I'm looking. Nobody else is watching. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Or perhaps a third invitation. You might say, Pastor Johnny, I used to serve the Lord, but I've backslidden so much in my life. And I want to restore my relationship. You know, friends, today in this world, I see so many people backsliding. Just don't have time for God anymore. The fact that you're here tonight, that you're watching online, is perhaps an indication that you need to make right with God. If that is you, I want to restore my relationship with the Lord. I want to come back. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life. If that is you, then raise your hands at the count of three. One, two, three, wherever you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One last invitation, any one of those three, make Jesus Lord and Savior, have assurance of your salvation, and rededicate my life to the Lord. If that is you, raise your hand right now. I'm not gonna beg anybody because it's indeed a privilege and an honor to serve God. It's something between you and your God. All right, I see those many pe people have raised their hands. Thank you, thank you. Now a worker is coming to lay their hand on your shoulder. They're merely coming to agree with you in prayer. So thank you workers that you're there helping them on their journey. Thank you, thank you. I feel there's one more person. Wherever you are, you're struggling with this. Maybe you're thinking, what will my wife think? What will my friends think that came with me tonight? Hey, on that judgment day, you will stand alone. Let's take a stand now for the Lord. Raise your hand in the name of Jesus, wherever you are. 
Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask everybody, especially you that raised your hand, to say this prayer out aloud. Are you ready? Let's say this. Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Let's say that again. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent. I ask for forgiveness for each and every sin that I have committed. I confess with my, with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He went to the cross, died on the cross, paid for my sin so I can be free. This moment, I am free. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.